when you talk about a craft being seen, hundreds of people seeing others on these craft, you know, I've heard a lot of things from other experiencers, from also in some um, informational too, about certain craft, larger craft, one that would be between earth and the moon, that is a type of a training ground where you've got just hundreds of people going through there every night. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Welcome everyone to Higher Journeys. I am your host, Alexis Brooks, and I might as well say my co-host because the, the man on your screen, Barry Littleton, has been on, I don't know how many times at this point. He might as well be a co-host. Maybe we maybe we can kind of co-pilot this craft today, Barry. Hey, welcome, man. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Always, and I'm very always honored, definitely. Appreciate you as well. And I have to tell you, Barry has been such a confidant on this crazy journey of mine of late. In case some of you don't know, I have recently relocated from one state to another here in the United States. And Barry was so kind to hear me out throughout this this odyssey that I've been on. So it's uh, ultra special to have you here today, Barry. Well, Thank listen, you. we got a couple of, couple of synchronicities going on we're going to be talking about. One I'm going to save for the end, but in the beginning, uh, I wanted to start out by saying we're going to be talking about something that's been intriguing to me for quite some time, something that I've had um, the opportunity to research a little bit. And it has to do with, I'm going to call it, Barry, abduction or being taken or being on board craft and seeing people that we know while on board. Now, this the impetus for my wanting to do this show with you had to do with uh, three or four weeks ago, we did a show with a mutual friend and colleague, Susan Manowich. And she we talked about a couple of years ago at this point, you talking about making reference to seeing her on board a craft. And I I remember at the time I said, don't mention her name. And you're like, I won't, I won't. But something made me when I had her on the show, this is her second time she's been on. I said, Susan, I'm going to bring this up to you and put you on the spot. And she did in fact acknowledge that um, in fact, the two of you may have been on board craft together. Tell you what, let's just go ahead and play a clip so you can, for the journeyers that have seen it, um, you can see what we're talking about. And Barry, I'm going to have you chime in. So let's take a look at this clip. Okay. And let's hope that this is it. Uh-oh, I got to find it. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Barry, I think her, I think this is the story. He heard an interview that I did years ago, and um, it was in the interview, he then remembered he saw me on this this craft, and that um, I think if again, if my memory is accurate, that that you know I was a light being working with this 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 golden light that was there, and I don't think I had I had talked about the 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 golden beings. And by the way, I'm going to send you a picture that you can put in. Um, yes. Your, yeah, because there's a, 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 you know, people can call them a council of nine. I just know them as as the beings that that I've interacted with that are part of of, of why I'm here and um and you know that I have a connection to. So he did. He he saw me on this ship. Um, I think it was a ship, and in working with this this um this light. Okay, there we go. Journeyers, I want to apologize both to you and Barry. We're having a little bit of a connection issue. As you all know, I'm in a new space, and I think I'm going to need to do a hard wiring of my internet because uh, we're kind of off the beaten path of the main house. So if we're getting a little choppy, please forgive us, but we're going to just push through. So hopefully you had a chance to see that clip. Barry, you will likely recall the experience. Let's dig into this phenomenon because I have a feeling we're talking about a phenomenon that may be far more common, like much of this phenomenon, <clears throat> excuse me, than we think. And what I'm talking about is individuals who have been taken on board craft, but see other people that they know, neighbors, colleagues, one person. In fact, I'm going to bring this book up right now called Connections. I'll put a screenshot up by the pseudonyms, Collins and James, fantastic book. But in that book, as an example, Barry, Anna talks about, and I'm going to see if I have a quote here from her. Um, she said, when she's taken on board, one of many times, she said, my old college roommate was there. My current veterinarian was there. There was a guy there that I knew from work. 
he was not my supervisor, but one of the other supervisors in the area that I worked with. These are people, she said, between two and 300 individuals, humans on board this craft, some of which she knew. Initial thoughts on that. Is there something going on here? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's it's interesting. I never know which turn our interviews are going to take. So I appreciate that. Um, one thing would be, um, for example, like where I had saw her, I had seen a group of people, actually. And I'd say there were seven people in this group, um, four of them, which I've come into contact with now in my physical, actual life. All right. And in this example, I think it represents sometimes the difference between physical experiences and the astral or dream experiences. And they can happen, and neither one is to be taken any lighter than the other. Um, <clears throat> as for example, when I was on this craft and I saw Susan and this other group of people, um, one of them would be, coincidentally, I can mention the name, it's a gentleman named Bill that I did the first interview I ever did with. He convinced me to do that. And he's somebody that was chasing after me and or trying to talk to me about encounters and stuff in my real life. And I was trying to avoid this guy, but I never seen him. And he works with my father. He used to work with my father co-opted with his, uh, his, uh, he's a pilot. And so anyway, and I see him and I, he's one of the people I saw in this craft when I actually met him in person, there was no doubt about it. And then he told me to watch this interview about this show, this, this, um, YouTube channel about Susan was the one that did it. It was just one video. And immediately I know I had seen her also. So this is one of a few people that I come in contact with. And the difference in this, why I bring up physical and astral dream encounters is because I was suffering on these craft from something in all my encounters is something that they call these beings called temporal aphasia. And I've mentioned on our other shows. And it's this, this sickness. To me, it feels a lot like, um, motion sickness, but a little worse than that. And I mean, it's so debilitating that it can cause a blackout almost. And on board this craft, I'm suffering from that when she's actually um, with these other people in their dream body, touching this light on this uh, on the deck of the ship. See, but they weren't suffering from that. And they look like they were kind of transparent. So like people in clothes, but they're kind of transparent. And I knew that's because they're in their dreams body. They weren't physical, you see. And so when mm -hmm. I asked her, when I actually met her and after seeing her and everything, we started communicating. I told her about the experience. I have illustrations of the inside of this craft and she had, sorry. And she recognized like some of the technology seemed very familiar to her, but she couldn't percept, remember me or the experience. So that was kind of crushing for me at first because Bill could, when I showed mm -hmm. Bill could, you know, he really recognized the, the, the sketches and everything also. So it just goes to show that this couldn't be, shouldn't be disqualified. Anytime, anything that is astral or dream-like experiences, because that body does not conform to the same physical parameters and physical laws that this one does. That's and right. for those beings, it's a lot easier for them vibrational to meet us, you know, equally there. Um, real quick before I shut up, I'm going to over-talk my, my, my deal here. But um, when you talk about a craft being seen, hundreds of people seeing others on these craft, you know, I've heard a lot of things from other experiencers, from also in some um, informational, too, about certain craft, larger craft, one that would be between Earth and the moon, that is a type of a training ground where you've got just hundreds of people going through there every night receiving lessons in different rooms, different types of spiritual lessons, and it's for the shift that this planet is going through. I've heard about that several times, taking that and correlating that all the way to when back in the 90s, I had heard, um, I think it was Dr. Farrakhan had talked about uh, being on board this craft that was just above the, the, above the, the earth, but between us and the moon. He had mentioned mm -hmm. it. You know, so I'm always looking for, across the, the globe, all types of different experiences for similarities. And that's one of them. So I've heard that before several times. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think that maybe people that are especially younger than myself, that type of experience should not be disqualified at all. And mm -hmm. our friend Ray Hernandez, who did that wonderful present, that wonderful survey 
okay, that doesn't nearly get the light and the attention it should, showed that most people's contact out of thousands of people all over the world they 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 surveyed showed that most people have astral or dream type contact. Mm-hmm. The physical contact with what I've had is somewhat more rare. And I think it's because of the reasons what I'm talking about, the temporal aphasia, the sickness, the inability, the inability to hold on to the memory after the event horizon because mm-hmm. of the vibrational difference. That's real. You know, that leads you into thinking, Oh Lord, did I get my mind right? Wiped? Am I part of SFP or am I a part of, you know, it takes you into weird things. So you got to right. be careful just because of the difference in the natures of our existence vibrationally causes exactly. a loss of memory sometimes. So I have a question I need to ask you, Barry, and that is this. Sorry, We've talked about that. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you always have so much to share. So I, I like to let you go as long as you, as long as you need to, but here's a question I have for you because we've talked about this before and you have brought up the temporal aphasia in the past. And, um, I have not heard it referenced uh, by any of anybody else. I've never heard that term before, but it seems to me that for whatever reason, you're being taken physically, not saying you're the only other people that have, that have had the experience physically, but it seems far more individuals, like you said, are being taken uh, in the astral form, which according to Ray's survey, that would be free or the former free, the out-of-body experience, near-death experience, shamanic experience, all correlate, all part of this, this framework. So particularly out-of-body experiences in this regard. Why do you think so many more are taken non-physically than physically, assuming that's the case? You know, because we're dealing with consciousness. And these experiences are consciousness related. Even though mine were physical, the conscious of it and the awareness of it was very intense. So I think that when we're dealing with beings that are on a different vibration, a different dimension, a different density, whatever the cool things we want to call it, in reality, it's the consciousness that bounds it all together and allows the experience to happen. You know, um, what I speak about a lot now is actually the way that black holes work. And that's something I had worked with a lot with uh, Rudy Shields with when he uh, contacted me. So, you know, I wanted to really get his understanding of it, along with the new quantum physicists of what they call the Makos and how they're saying the Makos actually function is much similar to the way brain waves do. And that isn't what you'd expect to see or to hear when you're dealing with, with wormholes, black holes. Yeah. It's everything. Explain what Makos are people. Explain what Makos are. Mako stands for magnetically eternally collapsing object which is uh, actually what the black holes that we're familiar with are. But in reality, inside of them, there's a mechanism that like is a recording type of devo- device, this, this Mako. And the way it records is if something goes through, it, it th- through the black hole, it creates something they call the quantum hologram on the surface. Mm. All right, and that's an exact copy. And eventually that starts wrapping around the Mako and becomes similar to what we think of an accretion disk. Okay, but this is consciously. And um, it's fascinating to think of it that way because the Makos would function on like conscious waves, which occur in two ways, spherical and uh, helical, okay? And our brain, our bodies have something called microtubules, which occur two ways, or uh, spiral, okay? And helical, but spiral-wise, it allows us, especially when for what we're talking about, brain microtubules, which actually makes the brain's neuron network. This is very serious, okay? So when I talk about something like this quantum hologram produced by the Mako when something goes in, the same Mm -hmm. thing happens with our our mirror neuron network. The way I'm telling the story right now, most people can see it because of the mirror mirror neuron network. So it's serious. These microtubules that are spherical also can process these conscious waves that come technically from our creator, but they're all through these Makos. That's mm-hmm. what they are, they're conscious waves. So that means the way we access them is through consciously, consciousness. You know, I'd asked like Rudy and others, I said, what is the speed of thought you think? And they mm-hmm. had said <clears throat> 100,000 times the speed of light. Mm-hmm. So the Get way we more. would access the Makos, you know, we, heard so, we heard so many people right now 
Alexis saying, the Akashic Records, the Akashic Records, I work with that. Hey, that's cool, but what are they? First time I heard of them was from Edgar Casey when I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. but in reality, what I just described as that Mako, and as this Mako is actually the hard drive of the universe, that's what the Akashic mm -hmm. Records are. I like that's that how we access the universe. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, sorry, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go too far, but I've been on craft that have wormholes in them, and right. that's how that connects in a way. So anyway, sorry, I don't want to get too weird on this. No, well, I was going to ask you, how would we bring that back? Because this is highly technical, and guys, if you don't know already, Barry is. So yeah, I have never seen anyone be able to distill scientifically what may be going on in terms of our interaction with non-human intelligence and craft uh, is Barry. So it's, it, it may be a little, it, it's a little over my head too, but I'm following you, this Mako. I'm going to see if I can find an image or a uh, post and show you, but bringing that back to the why of the, the, it seems more individuals are being taken non-physically than physically. How would that correlate to what you just explained? If it, if it can. Well, consciously, consciously is that, Part of it is that, like I said, not just the difference, but from my experience is all I can really speak on that. But for me, it was also a part of also remembering your soul life memories. You know, a lot of us, we can't remember our, our past lives here on this planet, let alone those that go out into the solar system, into the cosmos. So a lot of times these contacts is for us remembering actually who we are and some of these functions like that. And I think that when you see people getting trained like that on board these craft and the ones that are especially talking about the more positive not i'm not familiar with that book so were their contact scenarios were they positive or negative i think both i think both oh. disturbing certainly i, I mean again it, it it depends on who is doing the the encountering but this was really an odyssey. Now, I believe these two uh, ladies at the time had seen Bud Hopkins. They were they were being uh, uh, going under hypnosis with Hopkins. So I have not. I actually used. I'll put a, another image up again of this book. Connections, fabulous. I actually didn't read the whole book. I, this was. I purchased this book. I believe it was Mary Rodwell who mended it as I was uh, preparing for my keynote in Australia back in uh, 2019, and she, uh, whatever I was looking for at the time felt that this would be a good book. So I used it in my research, but both, I think both tumultuous. And... Yeah. 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 Uh, so but... That's where we missed each other by what? Just a few miles in Australia. <laughs> yeah. That was the, that was the, the following year, but the previous year I had gone, I don't think you had gone oh. until 2020, but yeah, that's right. That's right. I want to talk about Yvonne Smith. Are you familiar with her work from Ciro close encounter research organization? Oh, one more name. You cut out a little bit of the name again. Elon Smith, who is out of uh, California and one of the older, meaning older, she's been in the field for a long time uh, working with experiencers uh, with regression. Yvonne Smith of Ciro. Um, no. If you don't know her, you, you should. She's, she's a fantastic woman and she's really dug in deep, particularly as we talk about experiences that are perceived as negative and or disturbing, really the PTSD aspect is what she's spent a lot of time researching and focusing on. Um, but she, she had a comment uh, with regard to what we're talking about. There are really two things, guys. We're talking about the prevalence of contact encounters, much of it people aren't aware of. She agrees with me. My thesis is we may all be having contact at some level to varying degrees. She says that she believes easily one in 50 people are having contact encounters, not aware, most of them. She said, and I quote her, pretty much so, uh, it could be 100 people in your office that you're on board craft with and you, neither one of you remember. Once again, it's coming up. Are we having shared experiences here? And if so, what, what do we do with it? You know, um, <clears throat> I have always had, and I mentioned this since the first time we spoke, that I believe somewhere between 75 to 80% of our population has had contact or more. And more than half, most are unaware of it because it happens in what we just talked about, these dream cycles. A lot of us don't mm -hmm. really remember our dreams, not that clearly, and we're not cognitively actively in them. You know, so that's a whole nother, a whole nother realm going on that's not explored there. So that I believe honestly is the truth. And I can say 
since being blessed by having the little platform that I have, I've got to talk to a lot of contactees slash experiencers mm -hmm. from all over the world now. And I'm finding that nothing that contradicts what I just said at all. And I'm thinking it could be more. And it's just a matter of, I've expressed a lot how sadly so many have had negative experiences, but, <clears throat> but the truth is the majority have, of us have had positive contact experiences and we don't hear about it. That's not put forward. So, you know, a lot of times that we're talking about these group contactee type of things like this moon vessel or whatever in the middle, they, these aren't necessarily negative experiences that are people being accosted and things of that nature. So it needs to be acknowledged what's going on on the positive. And two is who's doing it. You know what I mean? Really, truly. Who's behind it? Yeah. Beyond what we hear in the, in, 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 in the new age circles. You know what I mean? Truly. Because a lot of that turns out not being true. What I found out through my own experiences. A lot of this, Barry, and I think we have to take this very serious, is left up to perception. Reality and experience is largely relative to those who are doing the experiencing. It's so difficult to say good ETs, bad ETs, positive experiences, negative experiences. It could be both and neither. There's a quote that I want to come up with and it won't allow me. Uh it'll come back to me that talks about that whole idea of perception and, and, and polar opposites and bringing the two together. And by doing so you cancel out the whole thing. It could just be neutral, neither good nor bad. And I would imagine that many of the beings are fall into that category as well. We're again, trying to distill something that is so out of reach for our normal understanding. If you're enjoying this episode, along with all of the subjects that we cover here on Higher Journeys, then I invite you to join our members-only community on Patreon, where we go even deeper into the conversations with the guests that you know and love. Not only does your membership ensure that we can keep this work going and growing, but you'll also get immediate access to our exclusive after shows. Get up close and personal with the guests of the show, along with many other member perks. So click on the link below to join now or visit higherjourneys.com where you'll find the Patreon link. We'll see you on the journey. Thanks. You know, for comparison, similarities, informational wise, what we just spoke about concerning the Makos, how they function and how consciousness is all tied up into this, we have to really be aware that when we have an experience, okay, and when dealing with what we just talked about, this Mako, Alexis, all right, you have this quantum hologram, but the truth is we deal with what uh, Kaku and other call type four, type five civilizations, type even four, you know, they may no longer live in existence, but they would still exist within this Mako, within this quantum hologram. So you have a system of our brains interacting with this, Okay, so they're interacting with us through our brains and through the divine field, some of these beings. And when they make contact and they're contacting us, we're having the experiences, our brain waves, our minds are so saturated by negative encounters and things of that nature and fear-based stuff that it actually warps and bends the reality of what we're experiencing. So you may have actually what are positive beings trying to contact you, but you're tripped out on, I don't mean you specifically, but I mean, as a person, a, a person is so tripped out on what they've heard so much in the media, which bombards you with mm -hmm. lizards, reptilians, grays, all that negative stuff, which happens. I'm not putting that down, okay? I'm not trying to dismiss that, but there's a lot more than that going on. And when we get bombarded with that within our minds, we are powerful and has the ability to shift the experience itself into something negative. Absolutely. You gotta be, I, gotta be aware of that. We are that strong. Sorry. Well I didn't mean to go too far no, no, no. Listen, stop apologizing, dude. You're, you're saying, making some really, really powerful points. The brain is a very intricate mechanism that's connected to this field. We know that there have been experiments done off the record. Some have even been declassified in which certain researchers understood the complexity of the brain and how to, let's say, compartmentalize certain experiences and knowing how to trigger them, how to hide them, how to, you know, wake up other compartments of the brain to do different things. So uh, 
yeah, that that uh, we we have the ability, the capability of doing that, whether we're doing it consciously or just the brain is acting, you know, on its own independently. You think about um, speaking of the brain, I think I'm about to lose my train of thought here. I did. It just went. So it wasn't time to say it. There's a point I was going to make in that regard, but continue. Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know what it is. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Screen memory. Uh, uh. Screen memory. This, what we're talking about, is another aspect I would say of screen memory. You know, mm-hmm. have you are you familiar, journeyers, with the term? This is when individuals have encounters with beings, and upon regression, will possibly determine that. It was, in fact, a being, not a clown, not a monkey, not a a little old Asian lady. I'm speaking of Terry Lovelace specifically, but a being that was screened off from the experiencer at the time for a whole host of reasons. Who's doing the screening? Is it the being themselves? Is it that the complexity of the brain that knows how to shield us from something that would otherwise scare the you-know-what out of us? Is it something else? Is it a collaboration of both of us? Sorry, now I'm doing a lot of talking. Go ahead, Barry. Weigh in on you that know, one. You know, I, I, I personally had exam, examined this deeply. One is because I'd been exposed to something that we could call a virtual reality scenario technology of some type. It was this type of a helmet that was a synaptic helmet is what they had termed it. Anyway, between that and what I was hearing, I started to make sure because my experiences were all positive. They were life-changing and not always for the better because you can't focus on nothing after it happens. But um, uh, they were positive. And what I would hear about was only negative experiences and then screen memories. Reading stuff like Dr. Turner, Carla Turner and stuff like that, you become very aware. And she talked about virtual uh, scenario or virtual reality technology. And I've been exposed to that. So I started wondering, well, maybe did I have a screen memory? So I started going through several of my hypnosis sessions to make sure I could uncover the screen memories. And is that what I was dealing with? Turns out it wasn't, but I mean, that is a very serious issue. When we're dealing with one, beings that have technology that can make it very difficult for us to perceive what is reality. Number two, when you've got these beings, like I've dealt with that on the conscious level, do the optic nerves can project themselves and project things at you energetically that are false realities, not false realities, but false maybe surroundings and also their appearance themselves, not what it appears to be. So that's something when you start dealing with this type of technology or conscious ability, and it's dealing with beings, not like what I was dealing with, you're dealing with the negatives. Okay. Those darker forces, it's a real problem. And so I don't criticize anybody who tries to explore to make sure they're not suffering screen memories, that they're not having some false euphoria or something like that. And that's okay. Let me explain that. Picking up, I'm supposed to explain more. Okay, um, when I say false euphoria, personally, when I've been in the presence of some of these non-humans that are of a higher vibration, and I'm talking about positive encounters, and on board the craft themselves that are generating and run by this life energy, what we call orgone or prana, that's this type of a light and energy that runs a lot of these craft. When you're around the beings and the craft itself, afterwards, there's a type of elation that comes. Like after the encounter is done, even though sometimes as the further you get away from this physical encounter, you can't remember fully what happened or it starts becoming fragmentized, but you're still suffering from this elation, you know, you're, you're hyped from it for about oh, two days and all of a sudden, it's, you know, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But that's just one thing. And I kind of correlate this euphoria that you feel around them to um, what the gurus called Shakti Pat. Absolutely. Kind of when you have a Kundalini release. Yes, I was just going to say. Yeah, it feels a lot like that. So anyway, this this sense of euphoria—that's that's a really powerful term, false euphoria. I want to make note of. We'll we'll go into that a little bit more. Um, is often correlated, not false necessarily, but a sense of euphoria during what we call spiritual awakenings. You just said Kundalini experiences, any type of trigger that might bring us into an altered state. In my case, 2005, 90-day sustained period of euphoric and also dizzying and a lot of other things, but euphoria is a word that I've used. 
the fact that here, here's something that just occurred to me, not just occurred to me, but getting back to this non-physical, being taken non-physically and how it correlates with dreams and memory or lack thereof, of both the encounter and oftentimes in dreams. There are some very curious correlations between features of dreams that you want to remember and can't and the features of an encounter that you can't remember. The lines are very blurred there, Barry. Are we really dreaming or is there something else going on? You know, two things. One is my good friend. You dangled a great carrot there and didn't uh, <laughs> say much more. I'm sure myself and your audience would love to hear more about the encounter you just, the experience you just kind of hit and hit it on. Anyway, back to your question though. Um, uh, I think again, that it's the, the problem is that it's the dream body and the energy body is where we can easily meet meet these other beings vibrationally, physically, and uh, consciously, okay? And that is, I think, a main key to a lot of people's experiences and why they occur, occur on the non-physical level. And it's really important. That's why that shouldn't be discounted at all. But by the same token, um, consciously, it makes it very hard to remember the experience. And I think it's both from just the vibrational difference between us and the beings, but just most of us go to the type of a, to our part of consciousness where we can't remember our dreams anyway. So a part of this deals with putting the full cognitive awareness. Right now, my perception cognitively is 100, solid here perceiving things. But a lot of us cannot transfer that same solid cognitive abilities into the dream body, into the energy body. That's not easy to do. That's why a lot of us can't remember our dreams or sustain what's called dream attention, meaning mm -hmm. not just can I look at my hands, but I can look around and I'm as cognizantly there as I am right now. That is not easy. But can we're we dealing with beings that can do it and are trying to, I think, co coerce us to do it or you know, dealing can, with us is easiest can, for them. Can Sorry. we will ourselves to recall not only dreams? Now, I know people talk about writing your dreams down, right? Above and beyond that, can we intend, can we use the power of the connection to the field to literally will ourselves to recall anything we need to recall? You know, that's a great question. And you throw me on the spot a little because I'll answer it honestly, okay? For years. <laughs> And this is years before I came forward in 2014. I considered myself Mr. Conscious Experiencer until my accident in 2010. So I would not do hypnosis for any of my experiences because these were physical and I could remember them. I mean, it, it might be fragmentized afterwards, but there was a physical experience. And therefore, I, just, I wasn't like Travis Walton or somebody. I wasn't out of it the whole time. You know, but then it turns out I have these four ex experiences that are equaling almost 20 hours of missing time. And what I could remember was only a fragment, truly, you know, being honest about it. Mm -hmm. And then I became a hypnotist, learned all about that strictly to hypnotize myself to recover these missing time. And then I couldn't do it. I put other people, other people under easy, but not myself. So I had to go actually get, get it done professionally go sit down, let somebody regress me. And, you know, I was one of those people against that. And I'm going to tell you, don't let anyone cheat you out of experiencing your own consciousness. Who are they to say it's not, it doesn't qualify if you had to undergo hypnosis to remember some of it. So it doesn't count. That's not true. Who are they to make that claim? And who are they to discourage you from exploring your own consciousness? But in terms of what you're saying, a lot of times hypnosis really helps, especially if you already have fragmentized memories of it anyway, it can really bring it because our super conscious and subconscious records everything during these encounters. That includes screen memories that try to prevent that. I've done some sessions where I've had to get through some screen memories. It can be done. I want you to repeat the phrase and I'm going to put it on the screen. Don't let anyone discourage you from exploring your own consciousness. And that don't includes let, encounters. Don't let them do it. That's not their right. Anyone discourage you from exploring your own consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. You know, 
And that, that includes why you're doing it. Just make sure you know how to protect yourself and learn those techniques too. But don't let anybody discourage you. Right. Because a lot, you know, and, that, and I hope that's what's changing in our world right now with the beautiful work you're doing. Other people are doing, bringing this stuff to light. You know, when I was younger, there was nobody to talk to about this stuff. You know, you had you had just a couple of people that were in the media you saw, but that didn't that didn't help. And especially if their experiences weren't like your own, they weren't like mine. That gets very disconcerting. And then something we're not supposed to talk about. But you know, n- none of the contactees, except Barty Miller, looked like looked like me. So that was not very Barney encouraging. Miller. Not Barney. Uh, Betty. Barney. Barney. Oh, God. You said Barney Miller. Sorry. I just saw that show. <laughs> sorry, well, I just saw that show the other day. He's an experiencer Barty, too. Hill. Barty Hill. Sorry, not Barney Miller. Sorry. <laughs> Barty and Slip. Maybe he was an experiencer. My Let's think gosh. about old fish, you know, a Bogota, right? Anyway, <laughs> but seriously, um, that's just something that I, I want to say, you know, now that you can, you're learning, you're able to learn that there's certain gaps in these contact experiences mm-hmm. that it is all right to explore them and learn what, you know, hypnosis truly is. Like I myself wasn't easy to be hypnotized because you know what? Hypnosis is really relaxation is really what it is. Well, and I'm one of those brothers. I can't relax. I'm all paranoid. I'm stressed out. I, I encounters all those years and trip me out. So I'm very, I don't relax easy. So I wasn't easy to take under, you know, that's all that is, but don't let anybody discourage you from exploring your own consciousness, your own awareness, your own perceptions. It's not their right. I'll shut up on that. I, 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 it stands to be repeated. I'm glad it again gets powerful. Let's talk about this in our remaining. We've got about 10, 15 minutes left. It's a little bit of a shorter segment, guys. But we are going over to the after show. You know that. Cool. We're talking about being on board craft with people that we know. Some of us will remember that we saw them and then we'll see them walking the dog and saying, hey, didn't I just see you? No kidding. But what about seeing our deceased loved ones, loved ones on board craft? Now, before you answer that, I want to say, I'm going to give a shout out to Willie Strieber, our mutual colleague and friend who has a strong theory or philosophy that there is a direct correlation between what he refers to as the visitors and the dead. Your thoughts on that, Barry? I would I would agree. I would agree. Sadly, it takes us into two realms. One is how much of this is negative forces using a type of necrophilia to reconstitute corpses for the ability to put actual their conscious into to walk around down here. That's one problem. Okay. And that's I think one that's come up quite a bit that just needs to be addressed. But then you've got the other part of it that is them trying to help us to remember our soul life memories. And then also when you get into these realms and these densities that are not the same as here, once we leave our these physical bodies, there's a part that we can come and communicate with also. So I think when you get on board some of these craft or you're having some of these experiences, it's very easy for one consciously these beings to assume the the look of the of your loved ones. The same that the angelics will do often if you're in a near death experience, you'll encounter that too. You know, so it's is that how much difference is that when you encounter loved ones during a near death experience versus the loved ones you encounter on board a craft? If you look at what Ray in his survey says, not much. Which is not so that just shows maybe. I mean, I'm sorry, it's probably not the, the answer a lot of people are going to want, but sadly, in the contact scenario, it shows the classifications that we're comfortable with often are not what proves to be true. You know, mm-hmm. I took an interest, you know, I like, I like Preston Denham a lot. I think he's absolutely yeah, brilliant. And yeah. he did, he did a, one of his, one of his YouTube shows was about a real quick clip about just UFOs and graveyards how many times UFOs have been seen over graveyards and how many times they're uh, illuminating certain graves and things of that nature. So is it necrophilia? Are they pulling up or are they actually doing contact with a lot of the earthbound spirits that can't cross over? And that's so much interesting because that ties into our other show that you wouldn't think it would, but it does, you know, no different than when a lot of times I'll do, I'll do, I'll do a past life regression also during sessions. And, 
often I'm starting to come across that people start saying that, you know, when you start going back to the past life, they need healing trauma from goes back to before the continents broke up. I mean, we're talking Mm -hmm. about before humanity was supposed to be here and the stuff they're saying, they start saying about the star beings that came and helped how this isn't a world anymore because of the technology. We don't live off the land anymore. Like we should, we're not in commune with the nature. Like we are. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's fascinating. We start dealing with that, you know, but of course, Alexis, our society doesn't want to believe in life, life, past life. So how are we going to deal with that? Let alone the trauma that we're storing cellular for from them as well. So, Hey, you know, (laughs) I think we're getting there. Well, you know, maybe that's a good segue for a comment that guys synchronistically came in about a half hour before you and I started recording this episode based on your earthbound spirits uh, uh, talk. Uh, episode that we did back in March. So I'm going to read that comment. I'm going to give a shout out to Wylo, not to be confused with JLo, or maybe she's just trying to be undercover. Maybe it really is JLo. Anyway, Wylo. She asked the question, Barry, uh, going into the light, question mark, is that good or bad? I've heard recently that going into the light takes you right back into the matrix. Will someone address this, please? Now, I know you've talked about this before, so maybe she missed this. So Wilo, this is for you. Barry, your thoughts. What's going always, on with I'll just throw out to check out my YouTube channel. I've done videos on all this stuff, specifically since our since our workshop. Okay, one is this, all right. Um, somebody, the person that told you it's a rein, reincarnation cycle. I have a few criteria. Whoever talks that, okay. One is are they a medium themselves? Okay, not a clairvoyant, not psychic, a medium. Every medium is a psychic. Every psychic is not a medium. So are they a medium? Number two, have they had a near-death experience? Like myself, have they died? Have they had something happen? Have they seen something? Three, have they worked with a caseload of earthbound spirits that are either outside the energy field or inside the energy field? Did they even mentioning that? Okay, so more than likely, they're telling you something that someone else has told them. And I can tell you what I've done caseload wise now, I've crossed over 300 earthbounds, okay? And something that comes up many times is once you go into the light, you don't come back, you're not stay coming, you're not around here jumping in people's body parts and trying to live through people, living people still, which is earthbound spirit possession. That doesn't happen. Number two, I have seen people's loved ones come back and come through these portals with angelics. A lot of times they'll come almost angelic like themselves, at least as far as I can perceive it. And another one will come with them. That means a cherubim, twos. And then they help their loved one cross over, okay? Or the earthbound spirit cross over. So that happens too. We go in the light, we can change. Now, at what part does our free will jump in and we have the decision we can come back here? you know, and maybe come back to finish things. How much of this is a school, is a choice, opposed to what my brother says. He said, there was no choice for me. I hate this place. It sucks here. I was ejected here, bro. <laughs> okay, man. I, <laughs> he said, this is a very hellish place, man. Okay, I can't argue that either, you know, but personally, I, so what I would say this, when going into the light and thinking about that and dealing with those spirits that have reincarnated, that I've talked to, it's, it's, mostly been of choice the ones I've talked to, but that's, mm-hmm. that's those that are aware, you know what I mean? And it comes to a point of when at the point of death, and what I think this person is probably needs to be aware of is at the point of death. It's a lot like if you've been to sleep for like real deep sleep for eight or 10 hours, when that alarm goes off, you wake up, you may hit the button, but for a minute, you're just, oh, you're just kind of out of it for a couple seconds or a minute or two. Then you come to and get along with your, your, your day, you come to full cognitive awareness. A lot of times when we come out of the body, there's a shock. There's a shock that comes with death. Oh, and during that time we're tripped out. And at that time there can be deceivers that come with a false light or false light beings or the case might be to deceive you. So you have to use your discernment and discernment is a lot more when you're out of the body than you think that I can say during the death process that I experienced when I had my near death experience. So, All right. So in that way, going into the light is a chance to change and evolve as a soul, whether that means coming back here or going on on the other side. 
because I've crossed over many and they don't come back. Okay. Okay. Why? That help? Was, that, was, that, was, that, was that was that too far out, or was that pinpoint enough for you? I very listen, <laughs> dude. If, yo, yo, go back and watch all the interviews we've done with Barry. He does this every single time. And do you guys love everything he says? Well, even not everything, but probably most things. Barry, you're good, dude. You're really thank good. You, well, I love. I hope that answered your question, uh, my dear. My uh, brother's paranoid, um, you know, Mister Paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> and he he has a heck of a laugh too, doesn't he? Which is great. Which is a great. We get we got to laugh every day. You know, you said something in, in closing discernment, and you said that it, it's a, a lot harder to be discerning when you're out of the body than in. So I would say, let's start practicing now. We need to be practicing it in every way, shape, or form in the climate that we are living in now, whether we're talking about the paranormal or on the ground madness. Y'all know what I mean. Discernment. We, um, uh, It's in short supply. and We need to bring it back in. Hey, listen, speaking of discernment, we're going to wind down this episode. I want to give you a little teaser about what's coming up. You talked about the workshop that you did, Barry, back in, I believe it was in March or April, perhaps. And that frame was great. We're going to link to that because you can always go back and download it on Earthbound Spirits. It was fabulous and well-received. We have another one coming up, guys. I'm so excited. Dylan Charles, who is the founder of Waking Times and a self-mastery coach and my friend, and he is awesome. And you want to talk about someone that's really been digging into, let's just say, the issues that we're having on this little blue planet lately, particularly with those who consider themselves to be spiritually centered, empathic, and are really going through a tough time with the changes that are underway right now. I have to admit, I'm one of them. On occasion, it has been, this has been a tough couple, three years for, for many of us, particularly in this space. We decided to put together a workshop, second to none, this, this dude, when it comes to this. He's, he's a shamanic practitioner, Barry. You need to know Dylan. He's, he's, he's done some great stuff. Has a huge following over on wakingtimes.com. We are going to be presenting on October 29th, Activate your power to win in challenging times, learn how to counter the attack on spiritual and emotional sovereignty. I looked at the outline. I looked at the syllabus. This is going to be off the hizzy because he's really going to dig deep. No, uh, no holes barred in, in really addressing the people that are suffering right now, trying to figure out. These are the people that are well aware of things that may be going on, the machinations going on behind the scenes, they're well read. They're they're to the extent that they are in the know and can be are, and are really having a crap of a time, and emotionally and not knowing what to do about it. There's a lot of layers to this talk that uh, he's going to be giving, but I just want to let you know about it. October 29th. That's a few weeks from now, maybe about four weeks on a Saturday. So we'll have the link below. Please sign up and get berries too. Get Barry Littleton again. You did a heck of a job when you Thanks. gave that presentation. People were so excited about it. A couple of things. One, one thing. They're they're all over me here. Okay. Um, to Willow, um, discernment at the death process. The light. Know the difference between the light of the moon and like the light of the sun. The moonlight is cold, where the light of the sun is more this life giving light. You'll know that. Anyway. Um, uh, that was for the, you, Wilo. That was for you, right? Well, that was for Wilo. Yeah, yeah Wilo. Okay. Sorry, wrong word. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, back to what you just said. The 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 workshop <clears throat> that was life changing for me because one is like most of the things about me. I didn't really want people knowing that I did that, and somehow what what creator wants, creator does. <laughs> but I was mm -hmm. not confident in remote hypnosis at that point, virtual hypnosis, and I didn't think it would work uh, in that way. Hey, I'm eating crow. I was wrong. I tested it and I was wrong. I've done it many, many times now. And I tried to get everybody that was in the workshop that wanted that. I might have missed a few people that got spammed and I didn't catch it in time before it got deleted. If deleted, if so, just send me another email and I'll get back with you definitely. But I did a lot of the consultations and a lot of sessions after it, Excellent. but it was a result of that show. So thank you. Or I wouldn't have even taking the risk to try it remotely. I just didn't believe in it. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we could do it because I know everybody wanted to talk to you offline. Like I said, that th this workshop, go to Higher Journeys Conscious Academy, everybody. I will have all the links. We've got some great talks. Barry's being one of the, the upcoming talk with Dylan. We've had PMH Atwater. We've had Cynthia Sue Larson. We've had Whitley Streber. 
uh, Ruben McClendon, great, great staff, where we're addressing all of these things that we talk about in higher journeys, but it's about problem solving. It's about um, self-empowerment, forgive the cliche, uh, from every conceivable angle. What is the ascension all about? Is someone trying to hijack the ascension? We go there. Um, Barry's workshop is available. And by the way, Barry, going to kind of put you on the spot, but for people that, let's say, folks want to sign up for it now, are you still going to be offering the the little mini one-on-one after? <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's oh. got a little extensive there. I don't lie to you, my friend. That's got a little extensive. Those those little freebies there. Um, I think generally most people are wanting probably a session. So if you want a session with me, I have no problem talking to you before or whatever the case might be. But if you're somebody that does get the workshop, you're free to contact me, and I'll I'll try to talk to you. I'm not trying to cut anybody off anything that they want from the workshop. And in reality, that is about helping this layer of earthbound spirits attached to people. So I'm really down for that. I am no, thank you, Barry. I'm notorious for putting people on the spot. So <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he loves me. <laughs> You're awesome. Mwah. That's for you across the miles. Thank you, Barry. Listen, everyone, we're going to go over to Patreon dot com slash higher journeys and continue this conversation care to join us we're going next door doors opening right now you know the drill um barry thank you Before well thank you we... thank you and thank your audience too they've been very kind to me so you're was... awesome and your laugh is so contagious you can bottle that and we need to be bottling it so listen where can we find you online i know you've, you've got a grow ever-growing youtube channel we'll have that link but is it barrylittleton.com are you is it still over there or what's yeah, happening? It's, it's still there as primitive as it is. Yes, barrylittleton.com is my website. I do a lot of work on YouTube and Patreon. Um, a lot on YouTube too, or a lot of Patreon uh, sponsors of YouTube. So you can find me on YouTube under Barry Littleton. And I'm on Facebook. I try to communicate a little bit on there and stay apprised of things. So excellent. And you're not you haven't been in Facebook jail? Shh. No, I I'm, guess I'm kind of boring, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what they perceive to be. You know, yeah. Okay. I won't conjure anything up. All right. Listen, we're going <laughs> to sign off for now. Always enjoy having Barry. Always enjoy having you, Journeyers. And thank you so much for your support. Always. A-L-L hyphen W-A-Y-S in every single way. We love you. And we'll talk to you soon. Take good care.